Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Sunday late in the evening, not the uh, Paul Simon late work where he uh, slid outside to smoke himself a J, which by the way is a great song by Paul Simon. Saw him at the St. Aug Amphitheater right before COVID hit. But after Sunday night, we'll be down to one. And of course, that'll be the Super Bowl. Three games remain. Those of you out there who starve and live and struggle to live when there's no football, I am going to take it amongst myself, along with the incomparable J.J. LaSalva, to try to get you through the end of January, February, March, April, May, June, the dog days of July, until training camp does begin. We'll get you there. We will. We're going to introduce new things on a week-to-week basis that we think you should try. We've already come up with the first idea for 2023. And, uh, gentlemen, I want you to write this down. Find a girlfriend, okay? It's really amazing what you can do if you have a girlfriend, okay? The amount of things that you can do are really limitless, and that'll help you get you through until football begins once again. We're going to give you one a week, so that's this week. Uh, We'll continue with that coming up at some particular time. Uh, whether it be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or who knows, whenever we get to it uh, during week number two. All right, so we're down to the Final Four. And, I mean, this stuff is crazy. It, it really is. I, For starters, it's amazing because we've been talking a lot about journalism this week, and we're going to stay with that here momentarily when I get into some of the broadcasters. Uh, but I got to tell you, um, I think it's impossible to seriously watch a game and not want to root for one team or another. Am I wrong here? And, you know, the hardcore journalists will argue with you, but 99.999% of you, you want San Francisco or you want Philadelphia, you want Cincinnati, you want Kansas City, regardless of what it is and and the reasons why. Uh, Despite giving you that, man, I honestly could care less. Who wins these games? It, it just means very little to me. I mean, I'm still blown away by San Francisco. I cannot believe that they are having this amount of uh, success uh, with Brock Purdy. When the game is being played, I, I probably will shift my attention towards rooting for San Francisco just because I think Philadelphia fans are the worst human beings on this planet, okay? There's no other reason. I... Have, and listen, I love the Broad Street Bullies. Late at night, we all got to do what we all got to do. I mean, we heard yesterday that some of our listeners get angry with us when we read books late at night. Well, every once in a while, when I go two, three fingers deep 
into some Tullamore Dew and I'm looking for something exciting, I go back to old school hockey fights. I recommend it. Pull it up. There's nothing better. And the Big Bad Bruins against the Broad Street Bullies is theatra that will never go away. It's just spectacular. I kind of like the Phillies in the day. The Celtics had that huge rivalry with, you know, Bob McAdoo and and, uh, Moses Malone and Julius Irving and Bobby Jones and Caldwell Jones and Lionel Hollins and Andrew Toney and Maurice Cheeks and all. So, you know, the 76ers, not so much. Uh, But it did take me a long period of time to to really get a grasp of what Philadelphia Eagle fans were all about. So, you know, I, I, I see me going in that direction. Cincinnati Casey, care less. Honestly, I, I don't even know which way to go here outside of the fact that, you know, Joe Burrow's 3-0 lifetime against Patrick Mahomes. Cincinnati does not lose to Kansas City. And I think on the surface, even though they knocked them off earlier this year in a regularly regularly, or excuse me, a regular season game, we all know what happened last year in the AFC Championship game. I think if you were to poll the average fan, they're still going to tell you that Pat Mahomes is the best player in the NFL, I would agree, and that Kansas City's the better team. Yet Cincy, right now, three in a row against Kansas City, We'll see what happens. That is the late-night affair coming up uh, this Sunday. Also, you know, you go back to the San Francisco game, it's, it's amazing that the combination of Brock Purdy and Jalen Hurts, you know, it, it's the Big 12. You can say what you want about it, okay? But there's three Big 12 quarterbacks playing here in the Final Four, uh, for good or for bad. You know, my girlfriend spent two years at Texas Tech, and then she's an Oklahoma grad. So I have watched way, way, way too much Red Raider football over the years. And back when Cliff Kingsbury was the coach and Patrick Mahomes, they, they would lose guys, you know, they would lose games 55-48. They just played no defense. But watching Mahomes play, I got to admit, uh, was a treat. Obviously, we, we know what happened with Hurts. Uh, when he packed up and, and, and left Alabama and he went off to Oklahoma. And, of course, now with Brock Purdy and what he was able to do um, at Iowa State, these two teams met back in 2019, and Oklahoma got it done 42-41 to 41 over Brock Purdy, a game where they combined for 555 yards passing and 11 total touchdowns. So is that going to be the case coming up on Sunday? Absolutely not. Both these teams have very good defenses, but it's the first time that these two uh, will renew, if I can say, a a rivalry. And it's interesting because we do know that Burrow is 3-0 against Mahomes. There's been very little talk about the Hurts-Purdy situation. They have never met in the NFL, as we know. But as I just told you, go back a couple of years ago, and it was a thriller there in the Big 12 at Oklahoma winning 42-41 over Iowa State. All right, these games, this is what it's all about. And, you know, I, this is what is so great about the Jaguars today. If it, if it was last year, I wouldn't even waste my time mentioning this. If it was two years ago, three years ago, I wouldn't even waste my time mentioning this. But since Jacksonville now has passed the point of being relevant, let's face it, they are a player 
Okay. Now they're lumped into a conference where there is tremendous young quarterback play. And it's something that they are going to have to get through on a yearly basis. My case in point is next year at this time, if Jacksonville loses a football game in the divisional round, to me, it's going to end up being a disappointment. This year, it was anything but. This year, it was, my gosh, they won three games a year ago. Look at what they did. Finished ninth in scoring. They shaved 6.3 points off their defense in scoring. Finished 12th in the NFL. You know, they had nine takeaways a year ago, 27 this year. You're looking for young guys now on the common development in year two with those three top defensive picks uh, that Jacksonville made a season ago. I wouldn't even dream of bringing this up, but here it goes. We dodged a huge bullet this weekend by Buffalo losing to Cincinnati, okay? This whole neutral game for an AFC championship would have really hurt the NFL, not because it would have been a one-year addition because of the very unfortunate situation that happened when these two teams met during the regular season, but the word out of the NFL is that this is what they were considering on a permanent basis, and to some extent, this is what they are going to discuss and perhaps put into play in our future. As we know, the NFL never settles. The NFL never sits. They're always looking for ways to generate more revenue, okay? They've added a 17th game. They've taken away a buy in the AFC and the NFC. We now have an extra wild card game in each conference, which football fans love. I mean, who's going to argue with that? You've added two seasons. You've added a 17th game, and I guess not another season, but you've added two extra games uh, during that wild card weekend. As, as football fans, we love that, okay? That's perfect. But let's consider what it would really be like uh, to yearly have an AFC championship game and an NFC championship game at a neutral site. Let's take the Jags. Let's do it. Let's say this year, or if not in 2024, 2025, the Jags just knock it out of the park. Okay? They're outstanding. Let's let's say they're 13 and 4 or 14 and 3. And it's just a feeling of electricity. Lawrence has developed. Everything else has settled in nicely. And, and you're saying to yourself and you're saying to your buddies, you're saying to anyone who will listen, this is it. This is our year. Finally going to get to a Super Bowl. Finally have a chance to win it all. Right now, you put ten grand on the table and ask me at the age of 23, not me, but Trevor Lawrence, is he going to win a Super Bowl with the Jacksonville Jaguars, yes or no? I'm going to take yes. I'm going to say yes. I think he's going to win a Super Bowl. I, I could see him playing quarterback here for another 15 years. I think he's going to win one. I also think Burrow's going to win one. And by the way, a year ago, I thought he was going to be a Dan Marino. You know, kind of a one and done. Uh, we'll make our picks a little bit later on the program. Uh, anyway, so imagine that. You go 14-3. and three. You're the number one seed. This fan base, and so many of you go to every game, and then you, I know a lot of people who pick like one road game a year uh, that they go to. Others do more, but 
you know, I think a lot of Jag fans will go to every home game. You know, maybe they want to experience London uh, for the first time, or they'll pick a roadie that they want to travel to and go to a game. And I understand that it's expensive, and this doesn't apply to everyone. I'm just saying there are a lot of people out there that I know who do subscribe to this. So, again, let's let's take a little travel down this um, this pipe dream. The Jaguars are the number one seed. You're the best team in the AFC. You sit home during wild card weekend, okay? There are 12 teams playing. There are six games. After the weekend, you get down to the Elite Eight. Jacksonville is the top seed, does what? They host a divisional playoff game right here. Let's say it's against Kansas City. Hard-fought matchup. It's a final from the bank. The good guys on the right side this time. 28-21, it's a final. Jacksonville advances to the AFC championship game. Also, Cincinnati knocks off Buffalo. So instead of Joe Burrow and Cincinnati coming here to play in an AFC championship game, uh uh-uh. You got to tell your fan base to hop on a plane and fly to Detroit or fly to Minneapolis because they're not going to put it in an AFC stadium, right? That would be beyond moronic. What if one of those – can you imagine a scenario where you put it in an AFC building and then that team somehow makes it to the championship game, but they're the lower seed than the team that should be hosting? So you're not going to do that. You're going to put AFC teams in NFC buildings. You're going to put NFC teams in AFC buildings. And as well, I'd be very surprised if any of these games are ever outdoors because of weather. So I, I think you're looking at, you know, the Detroits, the Minnesotas, and the AFC, the Indianapolises, uh, whatever. So here you are, a long, lifelong Jaguar fan. And you've got home field. You've got home turf for a championship Sunday. And you got to pick up and go on the road. And listen, an atmosphere in an AFC championship game is absolutely incredible. I've been to three of them. Okay. I was in Foxborough in 96 when they shut off the lights. One of the coldest days of a football game that I have ever been to. And I was in the press box for that one. Obviously, I was here in 99 uh, with the, the losing effort against Tennessee. And then a few years ago, back to Foxborough in, in 2017. In those situations, 96 and 17 dominated by New England Patriot fans. It, it made a difference. When, bon, you know, when John Bon Jovi sang from Bob Kraft's booth, living on a prayer in between the third and fourth quarter with the Patriots trailing the Jaguars, I'm telling you, man, that that made a difference. That was a 12th man. That, that was invigorating. Just think about how you were for those who stayed. And I know each and every one of my listeners stayed when you were down 27 now. And I know not one of you snuck out of there. But think about how the crowd was in that game. During wild card weekend when Jacksonville started to make the comeback. And then when they did get it done, just how incredible that atmosphere was. AFC championship game home field is worth so much. It's gone under this system. I also need to tell you this. 
I've been to plenty of Super Bowls. First Super Bowl I ever went to was in 1996. It was when Green Bay knocked off New England. It was in the Superdome. And then the following year was in Miami. That was when uh, Leroy Butler hit John Elway, and he went and did that spinorama, and and Elway would go on to win a couple of Super Bowls uh, in a row. A Super Bowl atmosphere is one-tenth of an AFC championship game atmosphere. You know why? The Super Bowl is so ridiculously corporate. You you bring in all the rich. You bring in all the wealthy. You bring in all the entitled. You know, Joe Sixpack and Henry the Ham and Egger, those guys aren't going to Super Bowls. You know, when we grew up, the thing I despised about the Masters is that it was so upper class that their feeling was kind of this. It was, hey, listen, you will never be able to come on our grounds and see a round at the Masters, but we're also only going to allow you to see like two hours worth of it on television. I I thought it was the most pompous, egotistical, arrogant scenario that we have gone through in arguably sports history. And you can make the case that possibly live games, 1980 Olympics, you know, whether it was the win over Finland or uh, the game against Russia, those were not live. You can catch a lot of people. They'll tell you that they watched it live, but it wasn't. I'll never forget the fat lady who came into the rink and told us that the USA had knocked off the Russians. I mean, all us little kids at the time were crushed. We were like, what, 11? I don't remember what we were, but it was a true story. So you get back to this. The Super Bowl is is not an event where – one team gets favorable attention over another or more of a crowd of another because, again, every major, um, you know, Fortune 500 company, and you know, it's all CEOs. It's all people. And when you go to a football game, you don't want to see someone sitting there with a damn sports jacket on, right, and, and a dress shirt. That's what you get at Super Bowls. Well, that's exactly what you're going to get now at an AFC and NFC championship game. What if you're a diehard fan, but you can't afford the hotel? You can't afford the flight. You can't afford the ticket. You could scrounge up enough to go home to a game here. So all of a sudden, you're going to take that away as well. And you know what? I've been to six national title games. It's the only thing that I can think of that is comparable to a Super Bowl. And I went to the three Florida State wins, and I went to the three Florida State losses. Those are the six national title games that I have been to. The last one, what, 2013 in the Rose Bowl. That is a totally different element, okay? That is half, in that case, it was Auburn fans, half Florida State fans. There are very few just college football fans who go to that game. For the most part, it's the fans of both schools. You're not going to be able to get that in an AFC or NFC neutral site type of game. Football fans will show up, sure. Again, I'm sure as well it's going to become incredibly uh, corporate where major companies are going to be there because the NFL is going to wine and dine them because they're going to spend in the NFL. This is the one part of the NFL that, that is really evil uh, to me. Um, every once in a while, I'd, I'd love for the league to give back a little bit. And I'm not talking about walking out some fan on draft night 
and having him, you know, select who goes in the seventh round. The NFL is so greedy, okay? And at times, they're actually pompous about it. This is another reason for them to make money. And big business leaders are going to say, Blue, shut up. That's what every business does. It's always about moving the needle. It's always about finding ways to generate more revenue streams. These guys can't make enough money. You give them $1 billion, they want two. All right, but it's hurting the product of the game. You're taking away the element of home field into an event now that is only going to be put together for those who, for the most part, could care less who wins or loses. We dodged that this weekend because Cincinnati knocked off Buffalo. But I'm telling you, NFL owners meetings coming up, I will be shocked If this is not put on the table, my guess is there'll be a large discussion. It'll be tabled. That's the word they love to use. And it will be revisited. I hope they never go that way. Is it something that will never affect you here in Duval? Right now, I got to say, I don't agree with that. I think where this team is heading, I can absolutely see an AFC championship game. On the horizon. Am I going to call for that this year in 2023? Probably not. But I think it's something that really does come into play the next couple of years. You know what? If you want to make a case for the other side, you can. I mean, maybe you're sitting there saying, well, Blue, what if we're a two seed? And what if you have to play here during wild card weekend? Then you have to turn around and play here during the divisional weekend. And then instead of going into Cincinnati or going into Kansas City or going into Buffalo, for an AFC championship game, a cold weather situation in that environment, now we get a neutral site game indoors in Detroit. Hey, you, you may sign up for that. And if so, that's fine. Then I, to you, I just wasted 10 minutes of your life. Uh, but to me, I hate breaking tradition. An AFC and NFC championship games are the ultimate for that fan base, it's never the Super Bowl because those fans aren't going to be able to go. All right, opening comments tonight and each and every night are brought to you by Schmunez Vision right here in Jacksonville. Sleeping in your contacts, I don't care what the situation is. That is not a good idea. And too many of you out there do it. I've been talking about it a great deal as of late. Stop sleeping in your contacts. Also, just your overall health of your eyes. It's something that I think we overlook consistently. You know, it's amazing. Everything else from really our uh, neck down. You go, you visit a doctor, you do this, you do that, you're concerned, you feel a little twinge here, you feel a little something there. You're totally up about it. And you go and you visit. When it comes to your eyes, they're neglected. And, and I wonder why that normally is the case. When you go to Schmunez Vision, you're talking about 37 years worth of experience with Dr. Neil Schmunez. You had Catherine Schmunez, Dr. Catherine, fellowship trained cornea, cataract surgery, our refractive surgery. Combined, that's more than 30 years in laser eye surgery. I'm getting ready to head to Tampa tonight. Okay, I got good, good eyesight uh, at night, and it's because of my normal you know, health exams, eye exams. Uh, with Schmunez. My girlfriend's crazy. Everyone's out. Oh, she's like, oh, I got to put a contact in, or I feel better taking a contact out. And it's just, it, it's kind of weird, right? Well, can you imagine never having to deal with that again? How about getting laser eye surgery? Never having to reach for the glasses, never having to deal 
with readers or anything along those lines. It's having permanent 2020 vision. That is all part of what they do at Schmunez Vision. Set up an appointment today, 299-2906, or go to schmunezvision.com care. You can see. Are we on the YouTube tonight? That's where Stephen A. and Skip Bayless are going to meet on YouTube. How about you and I throwing lefts and rights on YouTube? They're talking about some outrageous, you know, incredible $100 million an episode. Okay, so yes, we are on YouTube for a cheaper price. Um, Just go to Tinson XO's YouTube page. We're the first video. Share us with your friends. By the way, we just got a call from your neighbor, apparently. And she says that she doesn't sleep with her contacts at night. Only because of you. Oh, really? So I hope you know every time she lays down in bed, she's got you on her mind. See, Shmina's vision is there for you. They care yes. about you, and they don't do it in a political way where they say they want to come into your homes and, and be with you and your family, and they're going to work really hard. They're just looking out for you. They are. And do not sleep in your contacts. But there's, uh, there's been times where I've passed out in them. I, I tell you, i got to take a toothbrush oh, uh, to my, my eyeball God. the next day just to get them out. Do not make that mistake. JJ LaSalva is here. My name is Rick Ballou. I am here. We got a lot to do. We roll till eight right here on Into the Nights. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. That's right, going to be a great weekend, no doubt about it. Really looking forward to it. Heading to Tampa tonight. My mom had her 80th birthday earlier in the week. Early morning golf game uh, coming up tomorrow with my brother and uh, yeah, my dad as well. So it's going to be a whole heck of a lot of fun. This is kind of like Paul Simon when he, you know, kind of found like a new gear, right? Talks about slipping outside to smoke himself with Jay. Can you imagine that? That's the same guy who, you know, sail on silver girl, sail on by. But he did play this in St. Aug. Is this his picture on the cover of that album, One Trick Pony? Because he looks sort of like Pee Wee Herman. (laughs) Here's what I got for you. Pee Wee Herman could dunk on Paul Simon. Oh, he's that small. Okay. Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport (laughs) could dunk. Hacker could dunk on Paul Simon. Uh, Google says, yeah, he's 5'3". On his toes. Oh, yeah, I'm seeing him stand next to a scarf. All right, here we go. Here's the scene where he's, he just, he's rattled. He needs a jibber. Oh, he's just getting after it. Maybe I'll hear some Paul Simon on the way to Tampa tonight. All right. Uh, JJ was salva. Your alma mater or your school, the U, uh, as always, um, quick on decisions. <laughs> they wait until a Friday news dump at, at, at the 27th day of January to announce that former Jacksonville Jaguar Josh Gaddis is no longer the offensive coordinator. I believe the last game was played like 10 months ago for the <laughs> season. Better late than never, but it. I think this is because he – he was brought in because he's the recruiting guy. You know, he wasn't brought in because he called plays amazingly at Michigan. I don't even think he called plays at Michigan. He certainly can't do it well. Um, but anyway, he was brought in as a recruiting guy, so I think they probably wanted to hold on to 
the class they have as many guys as possible, not to, you know, shake the cage. So I guess this was as late as possible um, for them to keep him around and still keep as many recruits as possible. National Signing Day is only, what, two weeks away, something like that? It's not like it used to be that first Wednesday in February. It's uh, it, it has totally changed. And, and listen, we know that um, the coaches don't tell the truth. Okay, I I think once you hit a certain level of coaching, you learn how to lie, right? And we saw it here this week with Chris Jackson, wide receiver coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He told all of you a week and a half ago not to believe in rumors. And then 48 hours after the loss to Kansas City, he took the job at the University of Texas. So coaches lie. But what I want to know is this. When Mario Cristobal is going into living rooms or bringing guys in and you sit with an offensive guy with their mom and their dad and they say, well, your offense struggled a little bit last year. What about the coordinator situation and Josh Gaddis? Does Mario Cristobal look back at the family and wink and say, he gone? Well, or does he look at him and say, well, we're going to work hard to make improvements and with your son coming in, he could be the difference maker. I, I think that he's telling them the truth, which is we're going to fire Gaddis. The only reason I say that is because two days ago there was a story that was leaked from to Kane Sport, which is a popular, you know, Kane. Familiar blog. with it? And is that it, still Gary Furman over there? I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but there was a guy, a recruit, who leaked to them that Gaddis is going to get fired. So like all of this was actually leaked from recruits. So that's why I think that. Um, Cristobal was being honest with them and telling them that the guy's gone. Mm. All right. Well, that in. What's uh, Joe Brady doing? Where did I read that he was possibly on his way to yesterday? Was it? Because uh, he's uh, sort of been like a long forgotten man. Um, I heard. I, I know he interviewed somewhere this week, Joe Brady. And uh, it's the Chargers. They have. Re- yeah. Remember? It, Joe Lombardi questioned, yeah, permission for OC interview with Bills quarterback coach Joe Brady. Yep, at Tom Pelissero. Significant or Mike Garoppolo. The, Gar- the Gar- two Gar- coaches that I would fire, that I would have fired, are Brandon Staley and Mike McCarthy. Okay, both still in a job. Two teams that honestly should have beaten Jacksonville. Absolutely, I mean, twenty-seven ten, third quarter lead and. Dallas gets the ball back, 143 to go, and they run the most predictable offense of all time, you know, getting Jackson would use a couple of timeouts and throwing a 40-yard pass on third and 11. And then we all know what happened down 27 nothing here, the come-from-behind victory during wildcard weekend, and Brandon Staley saying, yeah, I, I may have been outcoached for one half. And it just – I don't know how guys are going to play hard for him. But, yeah, that's the Chargers now getting a look at Joe Brady. Boy, he's kind of fallen off the face of the earth. Absolutely. Um, he's the quarterback coach of the Bills. I didn't even realize that. He's only 33, for crying out loud. And if you don't remember Joe Brady, he was one of the guys, um, I think he was the passing coordinator, one of the two OC guys for that LSU. Oh, yeah. What was it, 2019 team? That yeah. was just epic. They averaged about 50 points a game. One of the great offenses that we have seen. In, that semifinal uh, game history. against Oklahoma was it, where like they had sixty points at halftime or something? <laughs> you know, I don't. I'll take your word on that. I I honestly don't remember 
uh, that game. Yeah, 63-28. to 28. They were leading 49-14 uh, uh, to 14 at halftime. Billy Packer died last night. Billy Packer's been, you know, out of the broadcast game for, you know, a few years now. Uh, but this guy deserves to be celebrated, man. 34 straight Final Fours. Uh, he passed at the age of 82. You know, I'd always, I, I, I remember when Mike DeCourcy and, and when I was in Chicago and we were doing sporting news selection shows and March Madness and, and, and stuff like that. I, you know, did some interviews with Billy Packer on the phone, but I never knew him. I never met him. Um, interesting character. I, you know, I, I heard so many things about him that were negative that were unkind, yet you listen to someone like Tim Brando, who I know well, they absolutely rave about him. I, I think it was a little bit more of folks not understanding his personality, if that makes any sense. That That's my guess on this. Again, I was not familiar with him, but he was a Hall of Fame broadcaster. And, you know, he was he was great for college basketball, he, he was kind of right there, and you started to really discover Packer with the whole emergence of, uh, of Dick Vitale. And, you know, Vitale, even though to some he was incredibly annoying, uh, Dick Vitale was a phenomenal, what word am I looking for? He, he was a phenomenal proponent of the sport. That was one thing that Dick Vitale was always doing. He was always promoting college basketball. And I, and I think a lot of circles out there, you didn't always get that from Billy Packer. Billy Packer could be more of a guy who would criticize if, if things weren't. And, I mean, is there a sport where more mistakes are made than college basketball? Oh, my God. I, Is I mean, there a worse refereed sport? <laughs> well, I'm just saying. And, and even back in the days when he did it, you know, growing up in the 80s, um, particularly in the Big East, you know, I was always a Georgetown fan. But and you got Pat Ewan to stick around for his career, man. And, and you got uh, – uh, who am I thinking? I, I can't think of his name now, the, uh, the, the great shooter at St. John's. Um, uh, the white dude. I, I I can't think of his name. But anyway, Mullen. He, uh, yeah, Chris Mullen. In 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 you know the, the great Syracuse teams, man. That you know when you had like um, you know just play, Stephen Thompson is a guy who comes to mind. Uh, so many great Syracuse players. Again, I'm I'm kind of dating myself here. Back in the '80s, Sherman Douglas was one of my all-time favorite uh, point guards. These guys stayed for two, three, four years. And even back then, you would see more and more mistakes. Packer would call people out on those mistakes, where Vital covered it up. I mean, everyone you ever heard Vital talk about, oh, he's the greatest coach, he's the greatest recruit. I mean, Packer, no. Packer would say, well, they're struggling here, they're struggling there. And I, I, I think he was often compared, perhaps too much, compared to Dick Vitale, who was such a lovable, um, you know, man. So, anyway, he is gone, and we just continue to lose. It, it almost seems like every week here, I come in, we talk about losing someone in sports, or for me, I'm a huge music guy, someone in music. 
Fortunately, it's been some older fellas. Lately. Yeah, like last week was Sal Bando. I don't even know who that is. Oh, my God. He played the hot corner. He, he won three straight World Series in Oakland. 72, 73, and 74. Got a great name. Sal Bando, man. Eyes on. He was absolutely – you talk about great third baseman. You know, we talked about Scott Rowland this week. Look at the numbers of Sal Bando, and I don't have them in front of me, but I know that they were decent numbers. He was a he was an all-star, and, you know, he played with Hall of Famers, including Reggie Jackson uh, there in Oakland. But, yep. You bet 254,000 RBIs, 240 uh, home runs. How many hits? Um, he went to Milwaukee after, right? Yes, I think he was on the boat. He was on the uh, finished with seventeen hundred ninety hits. The Harvey and the Wallbet. Harvey Kuhn. was it? Harvey Kuhn, the guy with the amputated leg. Wow. The night the, the night of the tie in Milwaukee, the All Star game. All Star game. I because I in in Chicago, I, you know, when you heard here in Jacksonville, I was on ten p.m. to two a.m. So, but Chicago and Milwaukee time, it was 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. And I was doing my show from literally a bar across the street from Miller Park when the whole tie went on. And they had hanging from the rafters, like, the yeah. adage or whatever you whatever the term is for what he used on his, you know, for his leg. Yeah, Harvey Kuhn lost his right leg. It was amputated below the knee after a blood clot in 1980. Bro, it was hanging from the rafters, okay? <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here trying to do a show, and, and they're having, like, meat raffles, and all of a sudden he got bought, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I'm like, I, I've been a couple of years removed from, like, being, you know, in Tallahassee at Ken's where all the co-eds put their, their bras up in the rafters and, now and do all that. Leg. Now I got a fake leg dangling. That thing was hanging right down, like, pretty close to my head. What was it? I don't know. I don't know what it was. Because nowadays, you know, you got some badass fake legs going Oh, yeah. On. I mean, we got the guy that killed his girlfriend in South Africa. He was able to run. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was his name? Pistorius, Oscar Pistorius. Well, if you don't have something fake nowadays, you're wrong. I mean, <laughs> you got to have something fake, right? I heard something head to toe. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Koreans in the country of Korea, I heard that like 60 percent of adults have some type of uh, a plastic surgery or really? something. Yeah, it's like a huge part of their culture over there. I was shocked. Who in this company has something fake? Let, let's eliminate mm. females because I don't want to get in any trouble. And let's what do guys see. get that are fake? They, they get hair. the hair fake. I'll tell you right now, you pay me enough money, you can resod my hair. <laughs> I'd shave this thing bald and have you, like the way that the Jaguars changed their turf this year <laughs> inside the bank, I would allow you to do that to my head if you pay me enough money. Uh, what can you get? The, 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 the face talk, right? The, the chin, the chin talk is probably the most prominent thing that, that males would do. I, I can't even think of it now. I heard about a guy getting calf, calf really? implants. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's really? a low, that's a low that, uh, I mean, I can see you working on your face. People see that all the time, but I'm like, sure people calves? get nose, their nose done. Is that a guy thing? Though? I don't know. I, I, I just. I don't know, man. God made you to be one way, right? You're supposed to. 
No, God made all this technology to change your ugly ass. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we can get a, um, maybe we can get one of those plastic surgeons on air, please, and, and tell us what is what we need. Now, what about the whole stapling of the stomach so you don't like real, that's that really overweight plastic surgery? That's like lap band. That's like uh, you're gonna die. We need to take care of this. Shrink your stomach so you can't eat as much. It was a huge Florida State fan. I'm not gonna mention his name. Um, but he passed, oh, probably, probably three, four years ago. And he was a really large guy. He was, he was 300 plus. Nicest guy in the world. And he got, he got stapled. So it shrunk his appetite. Right. But he never reduced the amount of alcohol. I mean, even though he lost like a hundred pounds, maybe more, he continued to drink like a 300 pound man. So did it break? well, that's where all the complications yeah. came in. But I know that that is, uh, but that, but that feels a little bit more serious oh, than, yeah. than uh, that's like that's getting like... your hair done. Although Brian, <laughs> what was it? Brian Erlocker just Brian Erlocker had his hair resawed, and he just sued the company. No, so this is the story. Brian Erlocker, yes, did have his hair resawed, as he said, and he looks phenomenal. First of all, but. The company he's suing is someone who, a company who took his image and was like, hey, we did this to Brian Erlacher, even though it was, it was somebody else. So they're, they're using his name, image, and likeness, we've heard that a lot, to sell their product even though he wasn't using their product. I did a card signing event with Brian Erlacher when he was a rookie. It was at a card shop in Buffalo Grove, right where Tommy McManus went to high school. Right in that hood, right in that neighborhood. It's it's where I first lived when I went to Chicago because it was an easy fifteen minute drive uh, to Northbrook where I worked. And he was almost completely bald as a twenty one year old. Right, rookie. I got a, I got a buddy like that. <laughs> I mean, but the chick still loved him. He did. I mean, why would you resod your hair? Because well, you it, the only reason why you would resod your hair would be because you want women to find you attractive. Am I wrong? Is there any other reason? Um, yourself. I mean, like, you just as yourself have to look yourself in the mirror and be like, damn, I'm bald. I, I like to feel like if I was ever getting there, I would do the, like, Erlacher shave. You know, if you're a shave, you have to fully commit. But if you're a shaved head guy, that smiles better than, you know, balding guy, balding young fella. That's you get- rough. I, I feel so sorry for... My buddies that are balding, you know, I'm. We're like in our early 30s, and it's rough, but it's real, man. Yeah, but once you, once you get to my age, it doesn't matter anymore. Once you turn, I mean, if you're worried <laughs> oh, about you're your young, if, you, but I'm not okay. I'm more worried about my health than how my hair of looks course. at the age of 50. By the way, you, you know what you got going? You got the Jeff Beck look going. Rest in peace. Another one we lost. You got you, you do. <laughs> you, you got some. I right, got is that clock right? Yeah, we're waiting. Can we get an extra hour tonight? Are you kidding me? <laughs> this time is flying by right here on this Friday. Six four one ten ten. You want to get involved with the conversation? Best way to do so is on our text line that is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Happy birthday to Nick Mason. He's 79 today. Great drummer of Pink Floyd. Plenty of cover bands out there and shows and 
Uh, they roll through jacks a couple times a year. It's always very entertaining. But you're never going to see the Floyd again. Uh, Gilmore and Waters do not talk. Of course, Richard Wright passed. Sid Barrett's already been gone for, like, what, 50 years or so. 79 years of age. Happy birthday, Nick Mason. All right, Rafael Esparza, 20 minutes away. We'll take a look at the money during the championship weekend. Really a uh, a coin toss for me on both these games. Uh, it, you know, I'm going to grab a couple of these calls, but I have a thought here on uh, on Brock Purdy on the other side. Let's let's get to what's most important, though. That is Chris, who is on the phone. Welcome. Hey guys, how y'all doing? Good, Chris. All right. So when I shaved my head, I got a messed up looking head. Looks like I've been dropped on it four times and hit with a ball peen hammer. That's why we don't shave our heads. Oh, uh, you got to have a good looking head. Look. Stone Cold Steve Austin, I shaved my my best friend's head at 19 at University of Florida. He got beers bought for him because he looked like Stone Cold Steve Austin. I started losing my hair. I shaved my head. <laughs> I don't know who the hell I look like, but I How, how I long did you keep it like that? No, no, no. I wanted to shave it because it was like so didn't have a good hand. But when I saw my head, no, no, no. So let my hair grow back out. Um, if you're going to do anything to make your hair grow, it's minoxidil, 5%. It does work Ooh. for a majority of people. Like, you, you see the thing, like, for him, you know, keeps hair. The, the patent ran out on the 5% minoxidil. That's why it works. The 3% is okay. The 5% will actually work for, like, 80% of the, of the men. But the problem is, is, once you use it, you have to stay using it. If you stop using it, your hair will, your hair will fall out. I got a That's good buddy who's, who's bald. He wears a hat all the time. Yeah. Oh, hey, here's one thing that... Chicks love know. him. He I, takes I, off the hat. They run for the door. <laughs> His name is Blake Bortles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, so I went, to the, I went to the hair transplant. This is not a lie. It's ten dollars to $15,000 a year. Whoa! Hey, I, was, I, I had $6,000 in my pocket. My cost was going to be $13,000. Really? And that's... I'm not lying. I, I went to IHRO. I just didn't throw it out there. I oh, well, they're a away. sponsor, so that's a very good price. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so wait, yeah, they take hey, it from like somewhere else on your body. Is is that how it works? So you have you have a donor site on the side of your hair. Like if you see a male pattern, you know, baldness like I have, you got like the circle in the center. The sides always grow. So they go in there and they take a strip out and they they transplant it, and it's per follicle. And that's how they say it. you'll get so many follicles to transplant. Well, as the hairline receives back, you may need two transplants going from ten to twelve thousand dollars, doubling it up. And then you cover the rest of it. And hey, wait, we're, we're, we're losing you a little bit there on the line, Chris. Th- thanks for calling in. We got the gist of what you were saying. Boy, that is expensive. Oh, my God. No doubt about it. Uh, you know, I know Leon just had a got a tat. Yes, he I, did. I, uh, I'm not uh, – I mean, here's the way I look at things, okay? And, and I think I speak for a lot of middle-aged men. You go to the gym or you did go to the gym, you worked hard, you want to look good. For me, it's always about because you want to impress women, right? Now, you also want to stay alive. That's important. Absolutely. You, know, you don't want to drop dead. Like, I feel so you many when people you are say doing that, it. But, like, I also like looking great just for myself. I like feeling strong. I, you know, nobody likes having. Man boobs or, you know, droopy skin on your arms or, like, 
a belly. Like I, I got a chick, but I still, I love working out. Not necessarily just for her. I, I'm gonna say that more people are gonna agree with me. Oh, absolutely. With me here than you. I agree. My, my years at like Florida State and stuff. I went to the gym every single day, not because. Yeah, but that's a young guy. That's yeah. like a guy in his early twenties. Right, but all right. So my point now. I could care less about about the way that my hair, my hair. I mean, I T Wig still cuts my hairs, okay. Hairs. And, he, and, he, <laughs> and, he, and he does a great job. T Wig is phenomenal, okay. But I know guys that are only going to go to like the hottest woman, you know, salon. I go see Sally she, at. A- yeah, I mean, I listen. I I spent an hour with T Wig. We spent an hour complaining about the Jaguars. <laughs> normally complaining about the Jaguars outside of them winning their last six games or. Or Florida State, and it takes him about 10 minutes to cut my hair. Okay, if that. Yeah. But if you paid me serious money to get it resized, see, I'm not a big enough draw. <laughs> I don't know if anyone is a big enough draw. I would charge. You're also I would, on radio. It's not like yeah. if you're on TV and everyone sees but you. But I wouldn't do it for t- hears you. ten or $15,000. There's no way I would allow them to totally redo <laughs> my hair. For a small amount of money like that, it would have to be a size. Now, I watch Bruins hockey every night. One of their defensemen is gone through a full hair transplant, and they got him. You know, he wears a helmet all the time playing hockey, and and he's a young guy. He's in his mid twenties, and he's doing a television commercial. I got to imagine, in order for him to do something like that. It's probably a six-figure endorsement say, deal. At least like a couple hundred grand. It's got to be. Why would you do it if not? I agree. Yeah. All right, enough of that. Uh, when we come <laughs> back, um, we got our buddy Rafael Esparza, uh, who is going to join us. We're going to take some um, and, and, and take a look at the money on both of these matchups. Uh, also, Brock Purdy. If Brock Purdy wins Sunday, and Brock Purdy wins the Super Bowl. It has to be without without question. The greatest Super Bowl story of all time. Am I wrong? I, to date, I, to date the greatest Super Bowl story is probably the guarantee by Joe Namath because they were what? A nine and a half point under. In my lifetime it's probably Brady or Brady's 2001 yeah. fourth quarter come. Okay. Um is there anything else? Maybe Nick Foles. I know people here don't want to hear that, but that's that was a great Super Bowl story. Okay. Backup quarterback. I'll certainly listen to. You know, Brady's got a couple down twenty-eight three, is is definitely one, but I but I do think the history of the guarantee with yeah. Joe Namath is is probably the greatest story ever in the Super Bowl. You, you can go way back to. Uh, Oh, who's the who's the guy? Oh, I can't think of his name right now. The wide receiver who caught for Green Bay, who caught the first couple of touchdown passes. He didn't think that he was going to play, and he was hung over. He was out drinking the night before. It's on the tip of my Super tongue. Super Bowl one. Yeah, he caught the passes from Bart Starr, uh, the the wide receiver. You know, this is way back in what sixty seven. His name is uh, Max McGee. Max McGee. There you go. That that's one. That would certainly be one, and, and again, we're dating some people. But Mr. Irrelevant, I Wild. mean, no As one knew anything about him, and, and and since they put him in, he's won every single game. He won what his last eight regular season games. He wins he wins his playoff games. If this man goes out and wins a Super Bowl, 
I think it's going to be the biggest story in the history of any Super Bowl, if it happens. Now, I think most are picking Philly uh, to win that game uh, coming up on Sunday. But anyway, if you want to contribute to that and, uh, and give me anything, whether you agree or disagree, or, or to this day what you think is the best, uh, again, always the best way for you to say hello to us is on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures, and that number is 641-1010. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, let's head to Las Vegas. Rafael Esparza is our guest. He is with MyBookie and MyBookie.com. Rafael, how are you? Pretty good. How about yourself? You had to bump us last night for TV, uh, MSNBC. We were just talking about it. Any uh, any plastic surgery for you? Any uh, nose job or, you know, maybe you're your your tin chucked in hair or follicles replaced. yeah hair hair resawed any of that stuff nope i'm uh, i'm as original as they get i have no uh, <laughs> that's, I, i'm made for radio and podcast on tv yeah what's the new thing botox right isn't that in you know oh, it's I, called brotox yeah our, our radio you know, radio guys no it doesn't apply but you're a tv guy as well so i was just wondering I, I am, but all my a guy that's had eight heart procedures, uh, two knees, a back. Uh, I, I don't need anything that's going to increase my outside because my insides are is probably what needs more focus. Did you say eight heart procedures? Yes. Well, then how the hell do you handle the stress of handicapping? My God. Uh, it's what I. Everyone says, "Oh, it's your job." It's, what I do is no stress because I. My philosophy is once the game starts, I have no control over it. I have nothing to do. So I'm more sh- stressed about other stuff like family and, and what's the twin brothers doing and mother-in-law and parents getting older. I'm more stressed at that. Uh, my job is nothing. To me, watching a stressed gambler is about as exciting as watching someone in an airport whose flight has been canceled. That That's, that's the best it, way. That's true. <laughs> good point. <laughs> that would be the best point. way to describe it. I mean, it is. It yeah. is uh, all right, uh, let's get to it. Uh, let's get into the first game. That is San Francisco at Philadelphia. Obviously, the Eagles off the bye. How has the money been this week on this matchup? It's been interesting. Uh, I think money's starting to creep in a, a little more in San Fran. Some books actually had three earlier on the Eagles, and then now everything's creeped back up to two and a half. I think it's going to be three, two and a half, and three. I don't see think two, but my prediction is uh, what what Brock, Brock Purdy can do nothing wrong. He's going to win the Royal Rumble on Saturday in San Antonio, fly back, to Philly and beat the Eagles. I have San Francisco. Give me a plus two and a half. Really? San Fran plus two and a half. All right. Any special props either way in this game that stick out for you? Uh, I think this game goes over. I do like the 49ers team total over. I think that one's a good prop. I think we're going to see a lot of rushing maybe by San Francisco. I know CMC got a little bit banged up and a little bit by hurting practice. I think uh, that can, uh, can happen. I think the tight ends. And all two games and all four teams are going to have a very, very big game. So, I would say look at all the tight end props. All right. Let's get to uh, Kansas City, where we do know that Joe Burrow, 3-0 and lifetime against Patrick Mahomes, including earlier this year. What has the latest been on this matchup? 
Uh, it's it's probably the most 50-50 match or game I've seen in a very long time. I mean, it just seems like it was three, two, two days ago, Cincinnati was one-and-a-half-point favorite. Now Kansas City's one-and-a-half-point favorite. So money continues to come in on both sides. Uh, right now we have Kansas City one-and-a-half. The total is 48. I like. I think Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs get their redemption. I like the home team. I like Kansas City, even though the money's all the big money's been on Cincinnati since this number came open. Uh, but I think redemption is served. I like Kansas City. I just look at the ditch. Uh, you know, I was reading the fourteen teams that made the playoffs, and and Jacksonville only had thirty five sacks. That was second worst. Cincinnati's only had thirty. And then you go to the offensive side. You know, they've been down three offensive linemen. We know for sure that at least two won't play on Sunday. So when you get to the line of scrimmage, I mean, doesn't that seriously favor Kansas City? I think it does. And I think the snow last week, I think that helped Cincinnati more than it helped Buffalo. And I think that's why Buffalo couldn't rush the pass, uh, couldn't expose that uh, offensive line of Cincinnati. That's why I think the the role of reversal is going to happen. I think Kansas City is going to put more pressure at Joe Burrow. Even though I think the right receivers of Cincinnati are still going to have good games. I just think in the fourth quarter, some finally some pressure will finally happen to Joe Burrow and have Kansas City winning by a, t- a field goal. I know you sent me something earlier in the week with your lines already made for uh, the Super Bowl. It also included your website. Unfortunately, I don't have my phone w- uh, with me. G- g- give me that website, though, with all those props that you have. Uh, yeah, I created a website, uh, youcanbetthat.com. Uh, it just it gives people to – you see all my emails and all the stuff that I do. Now I created a site, so now you can actually go to that site and click on links to find where you can actually bet them or read about stuff. So uh, it's, it's this website that people kept on asking, when are you going to do a website of all the crazy prop bets that you do? So now there, there you go. You can bet that. You can what? You can bet that. You can bet that.com. Go ahead and check that out. All right, tell us about my bookie, myboogie.com. Yeah, it's pretty much all about these two games. There's no UFC this weekend, even though you have the uh, big, big pay, uh, announcements in UFC, some great fights coming up in some pay-per-views. Uh, Conor McGregor got hit by a car today riding a bike. That was kind of interesting. He's okay. But it's all about these two games on Sunday, San Francisco, Philly, Cincinnati, Kansas City. Uh, don't forget Saturday, 164 college basketball games on Saturday. So there's a full blank of stuff like that. But let's face it, who's going to be playing in the big game of the Super Bowl coming up. No doubt. Always a lot of fun, Raphael. Thank you. We'll talk again next week. Take it easy. Have a fantastic weekend. There he goes, Raphael Esparza, mybookie, mybookie.com. I also do like his new website, youcanbetthat.com. Yeah, Conor McGregor uh, struck by a car today in Ireland. Um, I guess it's gone, uh, it's gone viral. Someone was filming it. I've yet to see the the video but McGregor took to Instagram and I quote got a bang of a car just now from behind a sun trap the driver couldn't see me full speed straight through me thank you God it wasn't my time thank you wrestling and judo also having an awareness on that landing saved my life and it's called uh, that so I'm watching the video and he's showing like what time of day it is and the sun that is dangerous. Like a lot of people get hit in motorcycles like that. People pull out in front of him because in the middle of the day it's it's hard to see a guy on a bike. It's hard to see a guy on a motorcycle, man. Night, you know they have a light. It's you're gonna see him, but yeah, that's scary. I was put on a work tonight, uh, heading in or today, and 
uh, right around as you enter where I live in, in Bartram Springs, I'm getting ready to take the left to head out of Bartram Springs, you know, towards Racetrack Road. And I was totally blinded. And I have my shades mm-hmm. on, too. I mean, I'm just – and it's – there's a sidewalk right there where, you know, schools use – I guess they let the kids out around 3, I'm guessing. And, you know, I had left around 4.30, so I'm – but it was it was brutal, man. And I, I, know, a lot, I know a lot of people deal with that on a, on a daily basis, but – so the, for the Connor's record, always in something, man. But always. But this is di- this is a different Connor. I mean, his 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 first line is a sun tra- a sun trap. The driver couldn't see me. Connor McGregor's notorious for always <laughs> blaming someone else. Yes, and getting he out like of has this person's back. He's like, oh, it's no big deal. We got to check on this. I wonder if it was like a hot chick or something. Well, it was from behind. So like. Uh, that, that yeah, or an old lady, someone he couldn't beat up. But we've seen him beat up an old man in a bar before. So age obviously doesn't matter. Someone he couldn't beat up, Connor. All right, break time. When we come back, let's get into it. I got a couple of things I want to uh, to share with you. One on Dion, the other on broadcasters. And uh, you know, I'm pretty um um you know, I'm pretty outspoken about this with with broadcasting in in a very positive way, but. Man, there seems to be just a tremendous amount of filth that is coming in. I'm wondering why. So we'll dive into that on the other side. It's great to have you with us. The world is a vampire. Into the night Santa with Rick Ballou on All right, we do tonight till eight. Back on Monday, six to eight. And, of course, we will have the results of both the AFC and NFC championship game. 9069 says, I'm working on some Baloo is my co-pilot t-shirts. Do I have your blessing? Well, absolutely. Co-pilot. Never, never heard of that. That's like Jesus is my co-pilot. You've never heard of that? Well, that I have. Well, that's what he's, he's saying. Okay. You're his Jesus figure. Saying I walk on water? <laughs> I sink, bro. I I do, but yes, that's good. All right, let let, let me get to this because y- you know I'm I'm really intrigued by it. I I love broadcasting, and and I think we are in a tremendous era for broadcasting, and I I say that all the time. I I'm not only talking about the top teams. I'm I'm talking about the third, fourth, fifth, sixth teams. Perhaps the biggest arguments that or biggest argument you would get with that is. A lot of college football fans hate the twosomes that they get. And, and by the way, it's common to believe, regardless of where the situation is, that the broadcasters are rooting against your team. That is always up, and it'll probably always continue. But anyway, um, in my opinion, and I'm, you know, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm getting to more of the modern era. I'm not going back to the days of, let's say, Howard Cosell. Last 15, 20 years, the most criticized national broadcasters, in my opinion, Phil Sims, okay, when he was with Nance. And for the record, I liked Phil Sims. I, you know, I mean, I could care less what they do now. Why is it all those pregame, half game? All, all they do is laugh. You ever notice that? 
<laughs> I mean, it's just let's send it over to James Brown. You know, next to me is Terry Bradshaw. Next to him is is uh, Boomer Esiason. Next, to, and all they do is sit around and laugh. And they all have like exactly fifteen seconds to talk because yeah. there's like twelve people at the table. But Sims is now part of it. Uh, the guy who left NFL Network. Uh, the former wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. I can't even think of Randy his name. Randy Moss? No, no, no. He's on ESPN. Chris Carter? No, no, no. Um, he just <laughs> left Good Morning NFL with Kay Adams, who left oh, as well. I, I can't remember. Burleson. Nate Burleson. Nate Burleson. Nate Burleson. But, the Lions guy. Yeah. But anyway, back back to, in my opinion, the people who, who have been criticized the most over the last 15, 20-plus years. Phil Simpson. Dan Deardorff. Monday Night Football got crushed. Again, I was a fan of Dan Deardorff. I liked the threesome of Al Michaels, Frank Gifford, and Dan Deardorff. Joe Morgan got destroyed on Sunday Night Baseball. People could not stand the late Joe Morgan when he was in there with John Miller. Once again. I loved that crew. I disagree. I loved that tandem. Tim McCarver got raped, uh, raked over the coals. Time and again with him and Joe Buck. I disagree. I like Tim McCarver. Now, I think we've advanced with John Smoltz. John Smoltz is better. John Smoltz is perhaps as good as we have have ever seen. Okay, you can go back to the days of Joe Gagariola and and uh, Tony Kubek and, and, you know, that type of stuff. I, listen, I think Smoltz is great. And, and then finally, the last one for me is Musburger. Uh, and I miss him. I, I thought his you are looking live in a Saturday night with Brent Musburger. I will take that any day over what we have now with Fowler and Herb Street. It's just my opinion. So point I'm getting at is I, I think we have had some really good broadcasters. Now, the last couple of years, I've been all over Al Michaels because it's it's literally for me one of the – the worst transformations that I have ever witnessed. And, J.J., I know people like you support him because you're tired of the officiating, you're tired of the reviews, you're tired of all that. I don't support the non-low energy of the game that he called with the Jags, though. I support his hatred towards the refs and towards what the game's become, yes. Yeah. I've been on him since the beginning. You have. Okay. I, I And to me, it's... um. I'm trying to think who else I could possibly compare it to. Maybe Berman. You know, I loved Berman so much in the 80s. And then the shtick kind of, you know, it just, it drove me crazy. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. I mean, would say the same thing every single Sunday. He had to hit his little go-to. Yeah, everyone in broadcasting has been forced to change somewhat, right? whether it's sports talk radio or it's play-by-play or it's analyst, we've been forced to change. And if you you don't roll with the changes, for the most part, you're probably out. But but Al became the the old angry guy really – I mean, it was so noticeable. It it almost felt as though, you know, referees were throwing a flag – to piss Al Michaels off. And and that's the way he was making it sound. So he got on the other side of me. And and now it's starting to catch up. Now a lot of people are taking shots at Al Michaels. It's very popular to be anti-Al now. Right, right. Chris Collinsworth really has lost his fastball. It, there was nothing more evident of that than a year ago during the Super Bowl 
when OBJ went out and he made it seem like the Rams were going to have to go get a guy selling beer from the stands to put it wide receiver Tim Jones. to try to get this deal done instead of realizing that Cooper Cup won the triple crown. Most receptions, most yards, most like, oh my God, what are the Rams going to do? How are they going to move the football downfield? I don't know, Chris. How about throw the football to Cooper Cup? And that's exactly what they did. And for those of you who haven't gone back and watched the tape last week, Collinsworth said that Trevor overthrew Christian Kirk. So either he needs to see Dr. Schmunez, he's got very bad eyes, or Chris Collinsworth just doesn't have it anymore, and, and he never misses an opportunity to tell us just how great Patrick Mahomes is. The one that I've always been amazed about is Tony Romo, okay? And even my dad, I love him. I'm on my way to go see him uh, tonight, all right? I remember three, four years, hey, Reggie, you like Tony Romo? I'm like, yeah, Dad, he's, I love him. He, he knows what's coming up. He calls plays. He knows when it's going to be a running play. He knows when it's going to be a passing play. He just, and it was kind of like that, that thought. Am I wrong? A few years ago, it's like, oh, my God, listen to Tony Romo. This is analysis that we have never heard before. This guy, it's fourth and one, Jim. Jim, it's fourth and one. I'd like a run here. And if they don't run it, look for the pass. You know, it's like it, I just never got it. But have you seen – the venom this week on Tony Romo after the game he called last week. Have you had an opportunity to sing yet? No, that, JJ? I actually haven't. But I, I'm, I think that Tony Romo is just another example of us as Americans. We build you all the way up just so we can destroy you and tear you down. That first year, like you said, whatever, however you feel about the predicting of the plays or whatever. People liked Romo. He was a breath of fresh air in the booth. He was different. He was new. He brought energy, which I love, which I understand. I like Smoltz, too, but he's a little too low-key for me. I need more energy. Okay. But but now that we made him awesome, now everybody wants to poke holes in everything Tony does. I still think he's good. We made him awesome. They're paying him $18 million. Oh, well. Okay. Now. I'm not paying him. I never thought, I, I, I never dreamed 18 mil, that, that these words would come out of my mouth. I never dreamed it. But how many times before have we said, I'm not paying Cam Robinson. It's a contract year. He's playing better this year. What's he going to do after the contract? Juwan Taylor. Oh, he had his best year. It's a contract year. What happens after you give him the bag? How's he going to play? Fat and happy. Does it? It's happened with, I mean, look at Hugh Douglas here, Carnell Lake here, Bryce Pop here. I mean, you can go on and on and on. It's happened for every You're team. You're saying Tony Romo got oh, paid. And can you make the case? Apparently. You're making it right now. You look at a guy like my, my buddy Brian Baldinger, who unfortunately we're not allowed to bring on the air with us because he can only go on on certain entities that, that uh, the other company he works with, not named NFL Network, <laughs> allows him to do. What I'm trying to make is Brian Baldinger spends his spare time looking and breaking down film after film after film. My guess is that when Tony Romo got into this, he was a total workhorse who studied and knew practically everything that he had to. Is he working as hard now that he's making a million dollars again? Probably not. And the same with Al. I mean, Al, on top of being just old now, 
No offense, people, but um, he's also getting a million dollars a game like Tony is, and at that point you have to be not as motivated as you once were. So where are we right now? And, again, I just gave you, to begin this, in what I thought was the five most criticized broadcasters of the last 25 years. Not named Dennis Miller. Yeah, well, listen, the whole Tony Kornheiser, Dennis Miller, Rush Limbaugh, I mean, that, that was all a charade. Yeah. Okay, that, that was an abomination. An experiment. Right. But I'm, I'm talking about consistent broadcasters. I wrote Phil Simms, Dan Deardorff, the late Joe Morgan, Tim McCarver, and Brent Musburger. And what I say about them? I liked, if not loved, all five of those guys. But all of a sudden, it's like I'm down on Al Mike. I don't get the infatuation of Tony Romo. Chris Collinsworth has lost his fastball. Dr. Herbie <laughs> should not be doing NFL games. He's a college football guy who told each and every one of you a couple of years ago in March that there was going to be no college football season. So it used to be this way in sports radio. Okay, in sports radio, it used to be a badge of honor to have people like you and to have people not like you. Now, there's two ways of not liking you. The not liking you you do not want is when people turn you off and don't listen to you. The not liking you that you do want is, well, he may say something that is either going to aggravate me or maybe he actually agrees with me and, and that'll be a nice moment. So I'm going to stay tuned. But there's, there's a major difference. All of a sudden, and I've always been that way with sports radio. I'm not saying my colleagues here. I'm just saying in general, like the Colin Cowherd comment two weeks ago, that Jacksonville stadium. doesn't have a fan. I mean, I get, so, I get so bothered by national media members when they talk about Jacksonville. They just don't have any clue. So I find myself not, dis- you know, I find myself disliking more of it than I actually do liking. But that has never been the case when it comes to national play-by-play guys. JJ, I find myself now, there's four guys. You look at the major talent. You got what? The Amazon Prime deal, whatever it is. You got Michaels and Herbie. I'm down on them both. You got Joe Buck, Troy Aikman on ESPN. All right. I been mean, there, done that. Yeah, I mean, they're good. They're, they're very good. I Joe Buck is you know, incredibly arrogant, but I still think he's a pretty decent listener. I, I mean, he's a pretty decent listen, you know, tell you if I'm wrong. A- a- no, I agree with that. Aikman's starting to get a little bitter. You, I can feel that it's in him. but like I, that for a few years. Okay. Uh, Tariko is tremendous. Mike, Mike Tariko is absolutely phenomenal, but the broadcast gets brought down with the addition of Chris Collinsworth. And then you get to Nance and Romo. Nance is my favorite. He's given up college basketball, by the way, after this year. He'll still do the Masters. He's still going to do his weekly uh, NFL game. I can handle Romo because he's with Nance. But again, I don't overdo Romo. I I don't. And then that leaves us with, believe it or not, who's going to call this year's Super Bowl. That's the combination of Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson. Who I actually think are a pretty good team. I was about to say they're good, but they're not the names. They're not the voice that you would expect to hear during a Super Bowl. Um, I really wish that like Nance had a lifetime contract to do all the Super Bowls. 
um, no matter what channel it's on. But yeah, it, I like Burkhart, and I like I think Olsen's awesome. Um, Burkhart to me, it's just not a big game voice guy. What well, like I would rather have Ian Eagle than him. Mm-hmm. But I, he's CBS, I guess. Oh, you know what? I I should have added one guy. I should have added Johnny Miller with golf. Johnny Miller was a guy that that ruffled a lot of feathers. But but anyway, I'm talking about team sports here. So, what do you feel? Uh, they don't really have him do games anymore. But Gus, Gus Johnson, he's a Fox guy, brings the energy. Uh, you know, I I think him and Joe Clatt are great. College. I love their broadcast team. He used to do a lot of NFL. I don't know what happened with that. I I think he's he's fantastic. I really do, and and you know, that's that's a Fox audience. That's typically a Big Ten audience. Yeah. Um, we saw around here, a lot of people had kind of wiped their hands clean of Vern Lundquist, and I miss Vern. He did make a lot of mistakes towards the he end. Was- Slurring you know? words and yeah, the last yeah, but it wasn't years, it Lee was, Corso. No, no, you know what I mean. That's on another level, and that's sad that they even bring him out still. Um, but yeah, the last couple of years for Vern were it was it was not the best. And, and I know a lot of but people. I loved him. A lot of people around here get on Danielson. I I happen to really like Gary Danielson. I'm fine with him. Okay, but I will tell you this: Nestler to me is starting to turn a tiny bit into Al Michaels. He's starting to become the, oh, what's going on here now? Oh, what's go- I mean, he, he The worst thing that you can do as a broadcaster, okay? And, and, and I'm not saying this as an expert. I've never been a play-by, I've never been a, an analyst. I mean, I, I did some Florida State baseball games with the late Lee Bowen. And I did hockey games here in Jacksonville with Joe Zidlow when they were the Jacksonville Lizard Kings. I mean, that's it. I'm, I'm not a, never been a play-by-play guy or an analyst, but I've been a huge student of the game. I mean, I've been watching and listening to broadcasts forever. And in my opinion, the worst thing you could ever do as a play-by-play guy is act like you don't want to be there. <laughs> and that's what Al Michaels is doing. He, he's Al Michaels, and, and I'm starting to sense it with Brad Nessler. They're getting to a point where they're trying to make you feel bad for them because they're broadcasting a game. And in the case of Al Michaels, he's making a million dollars a broadcast. It's unbelievable. Maybe, maybe that's a talent. So, do you know this this Davis guy, the young guy for Fox? Joe Davis? Is that his first name? He does he did like playoff games. He might even have done World Series. Um I think he's pretty good. He, he's pretty good. He's very young. But he's not exciting. He's he's not different. He's just like a robot typical announcer guy. I just I'm unenthused by this class of play-by-play that we have right now. Couldn't agree more. Hmm. And I'm not a guy that totally agrees with everything Rick has to say if you listen to this show, but I, I'm 100% with you on this. Who, we got uh, Myers, Albert, Davis, and Burkhart are the Fox people. Who? Uh, Chris Myers, right? You. You're not good. Yeah. And Albert. Um, I think Albert's great. Can't think of a I think all name. the Alberts are great. You know what's great about the Alberts? They didn't even have to have their hair resodded. They went out and killed squirrels and just placed <laughs> it on the top of their head. Um. All right, so... Kenny Albert. Football play-by-play. Who's your favorite right now? 
top, give me your top three play-by-play. National. Oh, I was going to say Frank college or, college or pro. Oh. Frank Frangie, obviously local, but I'm, I'm talking I'm talking national broadcasters. I'm going to put Tarika up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still love Brad Nessler. Um, I really love Chris Fowler. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Oh, Ian Eagle. I would say Ian Eagle and Jim Nance are one and two for me. Okay. For me, it's Jim Nance in the NFL. Number two would be Mike Tirico. Number three for me would be Sean McDonough. I'm a little partial because he's a Boston kid. He's still great. But Sean McDonough, I mean, it doesn't matter what the sport is. I mean, he's doing hockey now. He, I mean, there's nothing better than when Sean McDonough's voice cracks because he's screaming uh, with excitement. So those are my three top uh, play-by-play guys. Okay, top three color analysts. Who do you got? It's hard. Um, it's really hard right now. I I guess I'll go with Aikman. I mean, I don't even know. I haven't I haven't really thought about it. I, I put you on the spot here, here's man. Here's the deal. I watch almost every single game on mute or with the volume almost all the way down with like music or a podcast. Like I don't give a damn what these guys have to say. I watch the game, I make my own you know, opinions about everything. I don't need a play-by-play guy to tell me what's going on in the game or of any sport. I, I just – I don't need it. I don't watch it like that. That's mm. not how I take in sports. I, I think Klatt's the best. I think Fox's Joe Klatt is the best yeah, right now. Yeah, but he's so annoying. Like, when it comes to the SEC stuff, he really annoys me. And and his he's such a Fox guy. He's such an – anti-SEC guy that it seeps into his opinions and it seeps into the broadcast. Like, I remember they had... You want to bring back the taste of the town with Todd Blackwich, don't you? You want to see him eating on campus. <laughs> they that, not do that that's anymore? What you, I don't think they've done it in like 10 years. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I remember this year when they had Saban speaking at halftime of the Big Ten championship game, whatever it was, and he was so rude and nasty about it during the broadcast. And it's like, dude, get over yourself, man. No. Do we you have to don't take... literally work for the Big Ten. Stop. Do we have to take another break? We do. <sighs> man, let's roll with this. All right, let's do it. And again, you can respond. We, we may get into this subject again during the, uh, during the offseason. Again, I think we're blessed. I mean, I, I miss Mike Emmerich. I miss him a great deal uh, in hockey on uh, on NBC. Although I do think that um, whichever Albert it is, I don't think it, I don't know if it's Al Albert or Kenny Albert, Sal Albert or Hal Albert or or who. But yeah, I mean he's doing a nice job. Um, but anyway, yeah, Romo really got crushed this week. Massive. I uh, had never seen uh, anything like that. Uh, before with him so perhaps he will pick up his game for those of you wondering the two broadcast crews will be Jim Nance and um, the aforementioned Tony Romo this weekend and then on Fox it's Kevin Burkhart with Greg Olson Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM
All right, the 0328 just said, I wish Tony Romo was talking on this show right now. I guess that means you uh, wish I was gone. <laughs> uh, and I need to apologize, by the way. It, way, way, way too many responses tonight on really everything that we've been talking about. We were going back earlier in the program about guys getting things done to their body, including totally the resodding of the head. And it's just one after another, but I haven't had an opportunity to get to them. I haven't had an opportunity to respond. I try to, as you know, if you text regularly, we always do appreciate it. Just been way too busy uh, tonight. All right, we got to wrap it up with our picks. Championship Sunday. Congratulations, JJ. You went four and zero yes. during the divisional rounds. Unfortunately, I'm mathematically eliminated. Blue went two and two season standings, 124 and 71. Can you imagine the amount of money I would get if I was a starting pitcher in Major League Baseball and I had a <laughs> record of 124 and 71? JJ, 114 and 81. Two games. I'll go first since give you the opportunity to match me or go against me. I think Philadelphia is the better team. I, I, I'm not going to root for Philly because I, the fans suck and the Brock Purdy story is good, but I, Philadelphia is just too good of a team. I think the Niners' defense does something that I've been expecting for about six months now. Jalen Hurts to have a bad game. I think the Niners win on the road. All right, J.J. taking San Francisco. Cincinnati and Kansas City is fascinating. Because they're being force-fed all of this about Joe Burrow. The Bengals are really becoming like modern-day heels. Hmm. They are. Eli Apple, Zach Taylor, and, you know, Joe Burrow about sending back the refunds. And then they're just having a lot of uh, – they're, they're saying a lot and they're backing it up. They are missing, though, at least two of their offensive linemen. Going in the arrowhead is so hard. But tell you what. I'm gonna ri- I'm gonna ride here with Cincinnati. Give me the Bengals. You know who hasn't said anything all week? Mahomes. Exactly. I'm riding with Mahomes. I think he's so pissed about this. All like when Burrow beats him this time, we all know who the best quarterback in the land is. I I don't buy it. I'm going with Patrick Mahomes. I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is he, he's upset, Jim. Jimmy's upset, and uh, here's what I think. It's uh, it's fourth and two. Uh, I would expect a pass here by Pat Mahomes. But if he doesn't pass, look for the run. The brilliant Tony Romo. Standings, Blue 124 and 71. JJ 114 and 81. That's it. Thank you for all your comments. Again, I don't check the text line now. The show is over. If you want to get a hold of me, please do so on Twitter. That is Blue 1010. XL. JJ, have a fun weekend. You too. We will be back Monday, and that'll be from 6 until 8 o'clock. Hacker Nation is coming up right now. Once again, my name is Rick Blue. Have a safe weekend. I'll talk with you Monday at 6 o'clock.